Welcome to the Founder and Force Multiplier podcast, where we explore how leaders work together with their right-hand partners to turn ideas into action and build wildly successful businesses. Today, we are excited to host business owner of Kumon Learning Center's Maliha Rana. Maliha shares how she found her entrepreneurial journey, the challenges she faced, lessons learned. She inspires us with her thought leadership and shares how the recent departure of her own force multiplier, her office manager, has had an impact on herself and her business. Hello, Maliha Rana. Welcome to the Founder and Force Multiplier podcast. We are super stoked to have you on today. We, I want the audience to hear about your journey. It's a, it seems like a very interesting journey, so I'm excited myself. Let's see. You have a degree in fashion. You were an executive heading operations for large-scale organizations, and then you left and found entrepreneurship, and today you're running a learning and development center, basically expanding and growing today's youth. You're doing so many things. Share with us your journey and how you got from fashion to being an impactful educator and owning a Kumon franchise. Thank you for having me, first of all. I'm excited. So the way it started was me being 14 years old, told by my parents we're moving to a whole different world. Uh, we came from Pakistan at the age of 14. I started in high school. That was my first um, impact to this new world, a uh, new learning, a uh, new language, a uh, new everything. So that was my biggest challenge in the beginning. But really, it started as a dream for me. I always loved color, dressing up, new styles, new everything when it came to just being me. Um, so my mom is the one who actually helped me decide what is it that I would be really good at. Um, and it started with just a little classes in high school of what I like. And it became a dream. Went to a fashion school in LA. It's called FITM. I got my associates from there and it was such a new thing at the time with the fashion degree. It was only big in East Coast. In West Coast, we didn't have anybody offering bachelors in that merchandise and business field with fashion, right. within fashion. So wow. the biggest challenge for me was to figure out, you know, coming from a family where um, education is a huge deal, I couldn't just convince my parents, oh, I'm going to go get a fashion degree. And it's not going to be a bachelor's or it's not going to be a master's. So I had to overcome that barrier first. That's how I came across FITM. But at the time, it was only associate. So I ended up uh, transferring to Cal Poly Pomona for my business administration. Uh, I did a minor in marketing. Loved it. And then my mother decided I need to get married. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, God. That is when I made the biggest... Watch list. Yeah, so really that was my biggest decision of my life right out of college where everybody was, you know, looking at interns, traveling the world, going to Europe. Um, I was doing my intern at St. John Nitz at the time. I got offered a job, but unfortunately I had to drop that, decided I'm going to move to Dallas, get married, and came to Texas, which was a whole new world for me. And it did not offer my passion to say the least I right not able to land a job in my fashion industry where I thought would be a good match for me and my skill set in that case because we only have the option of 
JC Penny and Neiman Marcus at the time. This was back in 2008. Right. So I didn't think yeah, it was fashion was not fat forward in no, Texas or no, Dallas at, at that time. Yeah, my first experience coming here was like the first thing we noticed with the, uh, the first thing I noticed everybody the way they were dressed. And I thought <laughs> a few years back, I don't know what happened, but you know what? It's just that's just how fashion works. That's how you know the environment. That's how I know where you are, how people think, how things are advanced or not advanced. It all depends on your environment, right? So back in 2008, that wasn't the case, especially coming from LA. So, um, so it's safe to say Californians have changed the fashion landscape of Texas. <laughs> you know, I don't want to brag. I don't want to brag, but <laughs> definitely brought brought some new perspective to this city. So you but went from. You went from fashion to Texas, where there was no fashion, so hard to drive a career. And then you were head of operations for in the car automotive industry. Automotive, automotive industry. industry. And to be specific, automotive software industry. Um, <laughs> so my husband comes from an IT background. I sat down with him. This was like a year later uh, after being in Dallas. I was like, well, I need to do something because all my life, you know, I've always worked towards my passion in any case and you know what with, with passion I feel like it evolves you can't just stick to one thing you have to find what you're in what you like and that constantly changes just like the flavor of your coffee so it doesn't matter to me really so yeah I ended up getting involved in IT to say the least because that something was big in Dallas at the time so I was able to land a job in IT industry worked my, worked my way up got into business operations role and loved it because what I didn't realize, and sometimes it takes people around you to figure out what your skill sets are sometimes. You know, when you're busy in your day-to-day, -day, you don't realize really what your strengths and weaknesses are until somebody points it out and then you think about it. And that was my case where somebody, a few of my executives at the time noticed that I am the person who loves to find solutions. I love that because it kind of gives me a push to figure out what nobody else can figure out. So it's just this drive in me that I want to go figure it out. So that's how I ended up being in business operations. And I did that for about six to seven years. And, and of course, while I was working, I was also married and I decided to have kids. So third time, third time around, I decided this is not going to work. I'm sick and tired of working for other people. I'm sick and tired of making plans of how to make money, how to forecast for others. So it's something I could do for myself. And right. that's when I started looking into businesses to see what will work. So wait, let me, let me set the stage then real quick. So fashion, then to head of business operations, move from California to Texas. But in this whole time, you also got married and had three children. So okay. when your third child was just born, you now have decided to take the leap into entrepreneurship. Yep. So Love while it. I'm if that's not inspirational, <laughs> what I mean, is? You gotta <laughs> keep working towards something. Um, being bored is not in my mind. I always tell my husband, call me bipolar, call me whatever you want, but I cannot just still still. I need something to work towards. And that was my five year mark where I needed a new passion. And that was it. it. So I started looking around, but I had to be realistic because you know, having no support, but uh, family support to say the least, you know, I had to figure yeah. out kids, different ages, schools, my life. I mean, I'm not going to just work. I still have to go have fun, you know, do things that you need to. 
So I ended up looking into an educational program, which I figured would work really best with me having kids. You know, my working hours are not going to be full time or overly full time. So I had that flexibility. Um, and I also have a background with education as well, because my mom comes from an educational background. She's always um, ran schools and I've kind of helped her out with it. So in hindsight, I always had that as my comfort level. It's not something that came to me as a challenge. Um, I'm, I can talk to people, I can relate to kids, and I thought it was really fun. So I decided, what the heck, let me just go do an interview with this franchise. Awesome. Yeah, so I did an interview, passed through it, franchise was interested, and you know, did the whole nitty gritty of the details of the how to get into it, investment, interviews, multiple interviews. And, and finally, we decided that I was going to buy this franchise and run it um, while I was having my third baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my yeah. God. I love it. So nothing comes it. softly, right? So you sit there and you make plan and you think everything is going to be a perfect scenario. There is no perfect scenario. It's everything at the same simultaneously. So, yeah, I had my baby, started my business. Um, she turned one and I opened my doors up to Kumon, uh, which was the franchise that I opened, um, in back in 2017 and wow. five years later during COVID after COVID we're here. That's what I'm doing. Wow. That's interesting. So Maliha, yes. you, with all this going on, being a new business owner, which it's obvious that you have a passion and an innate want to do more in your life. You faced a lot of challenges. You had personal sort of responsibilities and accountability. You're opening up a franchise, but it's also heavily based on business development and gaining clients and retaining. And also, it's not easy because you're dealing with children of all ages, right? So it's kindergarten to high school. Help us, um, give us some insight into some of the challenges you faced and how you overcame them. So any business comes with challenges, right? There's the known factors and then there's the unknown factors. So in the beginning, I was the first one in the family that decided to run a business. So that was my biggest challenge. So I'm gonna back up a little. I had to overcome a fear of my own because I've always been you know, a salaried employee. So as a business owner, you have to understand that, of course, the income will be affected. There's, um, there's more effort that you have to put in. And then there's always a background noise that's constantly reminding you of all the worst case scenarios. So the right. first thing I really had to learn uh, before I could even start a business is how to filter those noises and how to tell myself every morning, you know what, I'm going to get through this day. I'm going to do what needs to be done. I'll make my list and I will come, I will go, go over everything and come through my fears. That was my biggest challenge. That was my personal challenge at the beginning. Then after we started the business, of course, I had to figure out, you know, what if I don't have any students? Hey, I am interviewing. I'm building out my own center. I'm trying to meet everybody at the library. So the first week when we opened up, I started with five subjects. That's how we count our wow. um, tuition to say the least, right? Five subjects is all I started with. And I got everybody in my background saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? How are you going to survive? You know, what's going to happen at the end of the month, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you know what? We'll get through it one day at a time. That's all I can do. I can only control what's in my hand. Everything else, of course, is going to come in with what I have thought about and what versus what's not going to happen. Anyways, long story short, at the end of the month, I closed my books with 20 subjects. 
Wow. That was, that was and you went from 20 to it pro in six months, you were telling me like 300, right? Yeah. Yeah. So wow. it's, it's, it's doable. Um, challenges are there. I had to work more than I ever worked in a corporate job, especially my first two years, because that's right. the time when I decided I'm going to give it my hundred percent. Because if I don't give it my hundred percent at that time in the beginning, then of course my, my turnaround was going to be effective. Right? So I gave it my all, talked to everybody, did marketing. Um, marketing was the biggest challenge because a lot of times what you don't realize is my, my goal was to reach out to schools. My goal was to reach out to parents, but you really have to figure out, okay, how do I know who needs my help? Because here you are trying to figure out like, who do I need to cater? Okay, I figured that piece out. Those are my demographics. Now, what do I do? What is my step-by-step -step to reach out to them? I can't just show up to someone's door and be like, hey, guess what? I'm opening up a center in your community. Right. Would you be interested? Hey, I'm not here to tell you your kid is not smart, but I feel like your kid can benefit. <laughs> so you really yeah. have to be careful with the way you speak to these parents. And give, give, right. keep in mind, I had, I, all my life I've been working for adults. So now right. not, not only am I working for adults, I'm also working for those kids. Mm -hmm. So right. I really had to change my tone. I had to change the way I talk, the things I say. Um, but it was fun. Challenge was to basically switch gears of how to approach these parents and school administration, communities. Um, and within our community, I had to figure out, you know, who do I need to talk to at um, community level? Really, that was my biggest challenge at the time. But not everybody was welcoming. Not everybody understood the vision. Not every, not everybody really took me as in someone that I'm here to help. It was more in terms right. of, wait, why are you doing it? What's the point? Right. So right. I think overcoming that was the biggest challenge. And then, of course, finding the right employees. So right. while I'm trying to hustle to get students that, that are going to pay me, I also have to have right set of employees and how many employees and what kind of employees, I had to break down that as well, you know, um, from high school kids to college kids to adults right. versus non-adults, um, finding some- And these, these employees are also dealing with children, so it is a very hard balance to find, you know, people that wanna work, but also have the skill set and the patience, right? And passion, exactly. That's, that's a hard place to be. And I also feel like, you know, being in the field that you're in and just being an educator, I think in, in any society, mm -hmm. it is a very, I think we underestimate how difficult of a challenge and a task it is. And maybe also sometimes not give it the credibility and honor that it right. should, because being an educator is not easy. And the respect that is needed for educators and teachers, I think needs to grow exponentially because it is so. difficult. And, and, and our, and we, I mean, especially myself as a working parent, I am putting my heart and soul and trust into educators because you are basically raising our future, our children. And that is, that is not only honorable and admirable, but also very difficult. And, and I know I have a lot of respect for it and we appreciate if, if you haven't heard it today, we appreciate what you are doing. <laughs> Tell no, me something. Really, it makes a difference. Yeah. So tell me something, in your business, 
I know having a office manager slash assistant is so important for you. And recently yes. you had told me that your office assistant is also, you know, pursuing other things. So now you have a gap. Explain to us the impact of having an assistant and what that gap feels like to you right now. That gap feels like I'm working nonstop. Uh, oh, man. No, it is, it is so key to have an office assistant, office manager, however you want to put it. Basically, your chief executive, your right hand, because as a business owner, you cannot be working as a widget. I cannot emphasize the fact that I need to focus on the growth of the kid, which is that student per student, and my own business growth as well. And I cannot focus on that right now because I'm stretched thin. I am working basically the job of an assistant or multiple assistants at this point is all on me. So not only am I focusing on the day-to-day, but I'm not able to focus on my growth as a business, as an instructor, and what I need to do for each child's growth. So that gets affected because I can only stretch myself so much. And then what happens is I'm putting my, I don't know what the fancy way of saying is, but I'm doing a half a job. Literally, that's what happens at the end of the day, right? Because I'm putting a a little bit of everything in every basket because I'm not able to to do it 100%. I'm not trying to be a perfectionist, but I still have to put my time in accounting part of it. I need to put time in the growth of my business and the marketing. Where do I want my business to be five years from now? Like, and I, I cannot focus on that 100% because here I'm trying to get through day-to-day um, work for not having yeah, my Yeah, no, that makes sense. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And we say that all the time in our um, teachings and our webinars also. Having the right office manager, assistant, EA, chief of staff, however you want to put it, your mm-hmm. force multiplier – allows business owners to maximize themselves by focusing on the 20% that is the most impactful, which to you is development of children, the business development of your company, right. keeping the brand, growth, scale, and you're having to take put that all on the back burner because right. you're having to manage too many things, like you said. Day-to-day, too many things day-to-day that are happening, exactly. So yes, having a main assistant is key because she's basically my, he or she is my right hand that I need to be able to trust because that person is literally the interface to my customer, essentially. Yeah. So I cannot yeah. just have anybody, and I have to train them where they're representing me and my brand. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So anyone out there listening to this podcast, if you are in Dallas, Texas, <laughs> uh, Maliha Rana Kuman location in South Irving is needing a, a force multiplier by her side. There you go. There you go. That's what I mean. I love it. I love it. So tell us, um, you know, for parents out there or or just individuals that have a lot of dependencies, Mm. how do you balance a lot of, you know, business ownership, um, you know, being a parent, also making, you know, you, you have an impactful sort of societal role being an educator. So you're always having to stay up to par with the most recent, right, ways and education and, and teachings. Um, so I, I know you take a lot of examinations as Kumon franchise owners. Yeah. Um, also balancing yourself a little bit and life and, and uh, bringing in a little balance of fun. 
Um, so how, you know, what is some of your advice to those out there that maybe are running around feeling overwhelmed, um, <laughs> not knowing how to bring some of that? And sometimes, you know, it's expected because when you're starting a business, you sort of, you know, prioritize and not do certain things because you know right now you're in build mode. But how mm -hmm. does somebody, what are some advices that you could give to people out there that maybe are feeling, you know, that there is no silver lining out there? There's always silver lining. It's how you look at it. Um, I think building a support system is number one. If you, you cannot do everything on your own. You just absolutely cannot. And if you do, then you're basically doing 20% um, of your task. So having a good support system, I think is number one. Take that support system, build it to your to your strengths. Build it in a way where what you cannot do, the support system will fill it in for you. That's key because having that support system has led me to think outside of the box, take the challenge on being a mother, a new mother at the time, leaving a nine-to-five job, no income, deciding to start a business and do multiple things at the same time, right? The only way I was able to do that is having uh, by having a strong support system and prioritizing is key. If you do not prioritize, then everything is high risk or then you can't get through it, right? right? You have to be able to prioritize and say, you know what, what is absolutely necessary versus what can I put behind for now? I'm not saying to completely shut down what you need to do, but prioritize, have a support system and trust yourself, trust your instincts. That's key. If you don't trust your instincts, then half the time you're doubting everything and you're not even getting through what you what the real um, problem is. So those are my main things that I look at. And you know what? Just take things one day at a time. Sometimes right. you'll be able to get through your whole list. Sometimes you'll only be able to get through three items. But at the right. end of the day, learn to smile, learn to have fun, and let go. Keep Thank it simple. You. Thank you. Those are that's such good advice. And for so many out there that are listening that may be in a mode where they're trying to do too much at one time or not prioritizing or time managing, you get that feeling of over you get overwhelmed, right? And then right. that's what leads to, you know, basically not not being effective and producing as you should because you're everything's on fire, right? Like you said. And those right. are those are great words to live by. And another thing I also time. realize as a leader, um and you have to be able, you have to learn to trust people and trust the right people. I'm not saying, right. uh, you know, you, you don't, obviously you have to get to know the person. You have to uh, work with them, build a relationship. But once you do, keep an open mind and trust the people that you have put in your support system. Because letting that go is the number one uh, success as a person, as your personal growth. Because for right. me, the biggest challenge was how do I just trust these kids, you know, that I'm hiring or whomever it may be, even as an adult, right. like how do I just let go and let them run my business, you know? So that in itself was a growth, a personal growth that, that came through as I started building my support system that, you know what, these are the people that I've entrusted. Now I just need to let it go and let, let them do their tasks. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a very good point. And we are actually doing a podcast on how to let control go. Do you have any advice for people on if they feel because, you know, it is by nature, a lot of people like to have control, have their hands on it because they feel like it's done the right way. But we all know running a business that will hinder you because you're not delegating and you're not being impactful because you can't multiply yourself. Exactly. So what are some things you that you did to sort of help yourself 
to start letting it go, letting control well, go. In any, in any business or in any task that I have ever allocated, I always build a, a training system. Like I have a list of things that I know I have to teach this particular individual. And make yourself a strong training um, module or work list or expectations. You know, have straight expectations, direct expectations, and make sure you transpose that in a clear manner to the person you're entrusting. That communication is key. If you don't have listed out what you want the other person to reflect, you're never going to know what you're looking for. That's number one. So write down what your expectations are for each individual. Transpose that uh, in a clear manner and then trust them. Obviously have accountability. Accountability is key in anything you do in life, right? So have yourself in a list of accountability as well. And again, clear communication. And with accountability, make the decision of whether this person or individual is right or wrong. Don't hold yourself and say, you know what? No, I've trained them. They're it. Now there will be no right. change. No, you have to be very flexible because a lot of times what I have done in the past is I may have brought someone on for a, a, a particular role, but later down the road, I realized, you know what? I feel like this person will be better suited in a different role. They're a great individual. I've trained them. I've trusted them but I feel like this role is not working for them. And I have placed them in different roles. So learn to be flexible, trust your instincts. As long as you have you have a clear communication, you're gonna be okay. That's, that's all it takes, yes. yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, thank you so <laughs> much for saying those words. It's so inspirational. I mean, so many listening to this are going to learn a lot from you. I mean, it's so appreciated, everything you've said. Thank you. Thank you for your thoughts. Yeah. Um, with, with you being, you know, owner extraordinaire, mother extraordinaire, inspirational and motivational, what is something people don't know about you and maybe something that's not so work-related? Huh. I love to socialize. I love to be thrown in places, situations that are out of my comfort zone because I get to do something new. And that I think is just part of my personality. I get bored really fast. I yeah. love to meet new people and just be in a new situation. It's, I love challenges. I think that's right. my personality in, in a sense where I love being challenged and just trying out new things in life, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It's fun. No, that's I love to great. have fun. I cannot be bored. <laughs> yeah, no, you have to have, I think that's the key message, right? That if you want to do it, you can figure out how to get it done, right? Yeah, yeah. Make, let it go when you need to let it go. Prioritize. And at the end of the day, I mean, we're, we're all, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Like exactly. we should have fun through our journey. And we should enjoy right. what we're doing and um, have an impact on ourselves and really be happy in life. Like these things are important. We Life is too short, right? I, I realize that from working with little kids. You know, that we call it an incentive program. Reward yourself. We always Aww. reward these kids. We always reward our kids, whomever. Like especially kids, we've noticed that we reward them a lot, right? Just it's an incentive. We need to reward ourselves too. I think it's important we need to pause and realize, you know, this was a good day. This was a great accomplishment. You know what? I'm going to go out and have it. Celebrate. I don't know. Do something for yourself. It. As little love as it. it could be. But you have to reward yourself. That's important. I love it. Thank you so much. 
Maliha, we at Founder and Force Multiplier found you so inspirational and impactful. You've motivated our team. We're so happy that you came onto our podcast and are inspiring and motivating those who are listening to us today. We appreciate you being here. And thank you for all your insights. Um, they're very, very useful. And I know a lot of people are going to take this away. So we appreciate you being here today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This was fun. You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate all of your support and can't wait to hear about your own success stories. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with the latest podcast episodes and follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. We have a lot of exciting news coming through before the holidays, including the launch of the second edition of the book and the unveiling of our Founder and Force Multiplier community platform. We are super stoked about all the new things coming through. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you back here next week.